0: Good morning. I would like to share with you the story of Esau in the next few moments. The sun was setting over the sparsely forested desert. He squinted to make out the shape of a deer line just beyond the reach of his bow. Sweat from his brow stung his eyes as he pulled back the string with the arrow, firmly fixed between his fingers. His fingers were alive with pain from so many failed attempts that day. His legs were burning. His skin was scorched by the sun. Bright red hair that covered his body was brown with dirt, and he breathed slightly as he steadied his hand. He knew this distance was near impossible, but he believed in living in the moment, and he wasn't ready to doubt himself. In just that moment, his fingers relaxed, and the once curved bow flexed forward, and the arrow that once he held now had the chance at victory for this established hunter. For a moment, the arrow had promise, and then, uh, just like the setting sun, it faded. The arrow fell short, and his heart sank. Now the sun had dipped below the horizon, but the punishing heat lingered in the air, and this hunter would return without a victory to celebrate. His anger and discouragement kindled a fire of irritation that compounded the pain of hunger in his stomach. He, much like his father, longed for the savory, fire-roasted taste of wild game, but that option had fled beyond the horizon, so now he longed for some good, thick, red lentil stew." His thoughts of comfort and pleasure drove him beyond the soreness and failure of the day. The tents glowed with stars in the distance, like stars in the distance, as he moved closer to the camp where they were. His nose could sense the good news. Lentils, red lentil stew, uh, was for dinner. For the rest of the walk, Esau thought only in smell and dreamed only of a full stomach. He wasn't one to plan past a meal anyways. He walked up to the fire pit, was greeted by his brother, Um, He didn't always think of him as a brother, as his brother stayed in the tents with the women most of the time. He had smooth skin and an overactive mind, and Esau could see why he stayed in the tents. And he saw the disappointment in his family's eyes as he walked in without a freshly killed prize. All of his emotions turned into hunger, and he was willing to do just about anything at this point for a little comfort. His brother opened the pot, gave it a stir, and the thick, tasty stew made Esau's mouth drool. So Esau made a move. I'm weary and hungry, brother, give me some stew. Jacob responded, it will cost you your birthright if that's what you choose to do. Esau thought quickly and he considered his choice. His birthright was nothing but carrying on the family name and being responsible to God, the one to be blamed. So there was a, sure there was a promise that went with the blessing. He could be leader in God's chosen nation. His legacy would be part of a much larger story. He would secure God's blessing and bring him great glory, Great kings and great prophets would be in his family line. From his generations could even come Christ. What good was leadership if it came at such a cost? Esau lived for the moment and the pleasure of the day. Tomorrow was for men too weak to live that way. I'm about to die, so you have your deal. A tasty dinner for a birthright, that's a steal. The first bite was joy. His stomach was calmed. He felt his strength returning and his shoulders relaxed He breathed heavy sighs and stretched with a yawn. His eyes were tired, and most of his pain had diminished. He lumbered from his place and went into the tent to sleep. Esau didn't know the cost of his act. Jacob wasn't sleeping. He was planning the next attack. The birthright was just the first part of the blessing, and the blessing was next. With the birthright and the blessing, Jacob would become the family's head. He would lead the entire clan, and he'd be Esau's boss. He would play the long game and be well-rewarded. You see, his children's line would be the one recorded. You can read in the Bible, uh, from one to the next, Jacob's entire family line is written there for us. Uh, From Jacob would come the greatest man, even the greatest there ever will be or ever has been. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would come from his line and would sit on the throne next to the Father. Jacob's great, 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 you get the idea, son would inherit a greater kingdom than anyone could imagine, and all for a bowl of soup.
1: Good morning. Welcome uh, to Ridgeview Church. My name is Alex and I'm the the pastor here. Uh, Joel just shared the story of Esau, which is found in the Old Testament of the Bible. And we're launching this new series, which you just saw, called How to Make a Bad Decision. Now, if you did a little double take on that, it's actually not misspelled. Uh, It is a bad one because we believe that sometimes it's good to look at the wrong things to learn how to do the right things. And if you're like me, I have no shortage of bad decisions that I've made in my life. Would you agree with that? Do you look back and you say, that was a bad decision, I blew that one, I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, When I was newly married, a couple years in, uh, we first had our apartment and it was 640 square feet, also known as a little shoebox, as it felt. At the time, you know, we were married and it was just what we needed. A couple years in, we thought, you know, let's get someplace a little bit bigger, something that You know, we have just a little bit more space. We can host more people. And so I began to think, like, we need a bigger place. And this place became available that was near us, but it was not in as good a neighborhood. But the price was right. It was available. And I thought, this is the place that's for us. And so without a whole lot of thought, we filled out the application. And we went to go look at night, the place. Now, looking at a place at night is only as good as the electricity is on. And in this instance, the tenants were there. They didn't have electricity anymore. And we found ourselves in the living room, living, or not living, we hadn't moved in yet, looking at the people that lived there, trying to figure out if this was the right fit. It was all sorts of awkward. And sometimes in those decisions, you're like, this is really weird, but we're just going to keep on going. So we decided, okay, well, we could kind of see a little bit. It seemed like the space was good. It was, again, going to become available. So we signed the lease. A few days later, there was a drive-by shooting and literally gun holes riddled this new place. And if that wasn't enough to give me pause, I thought, well, it's still available and the price is right. Now, at this point, you, you may question my judgment and that's my point. Again, I, I wanted a bigger place and I wanted it right now. And so we moved in, although concerned, and as we began to move in and look at our cabinets and the new space that we had, there were rat droppings on each counter. And if that wasn't enough to give me pause, okay, let's clean up. So we got in, we kind of cleaned the place up, and it was like, oh, we got a bigger place. And then above the ceiling, we heard little, little footsteps of rats walking the halls because we had actually moved in with them without realizing it. And at night, my wife would wake me, what is that noise? And it was rats fighting above us in the ceilings. And so I began to think, maybe this this wasn't a good decision. And you're saying, what gave that away? (laughs) You see, in the middle of it, I had seen what I wanted. I had seen what became available, and I just had put my targets on on that site. I want what I want right now. A few months after that, my wife became pregnant with our our first child. I gave in that notice so fast and we were out of there. And as I look back, even now, I consider that probably one of the worst decisions I've ever made. But in the moment, it made complete sense. And so what we hope to do in this series is look back in the scripture on similar bad decisions. Some are even greater than what I've even said. You've heard a little bit of the story of Esau, but these things that we get in our sights that we want so desperately that we tend to blow past some important boundaries. We tend to blow past maybe some important principles, and we make decisions that can fill us with regret. So the hope of this is is not to fill you with this regret as you look back, but for us to look at what the Bible says, learn from the bad decisions so that we can learn the key components of good ones. Uh, Here's something I've realized about myself. If I don't learn from things, I tend to do the same thing again and again, right? I call this the Ferris wheel of decision-making. Here's a pic of a Ferris wheel. Now, when you see that, it looks like it's in a nice little setting. And a Ferris wheel is really fun on that first loop. And then if you notice the Ferris wheel, you just go and loop again. You're like, oh, that, that was fun. Not quite like the first time. About the third or fourth loop on a Ferris wheel, aren't you kind of thinking, like, what's next? Like, no wonder this was only two tickets. Because you just kind of keep doing the same thing, and this is actually how our decision-making is, and it it kind of looks like a pick like this. You know, this guy was anticipating a really great date with that girl. I'm actually making this up. I have no idea. But, guys, if you look at his face, he's like, man, I picked the wrong ride. No longer interested, distracted. It's over. It's over. This is how decision making is. It's like we get started and we think this is going to be an amazing adventure, and like life, there's lots of ups and downs. But a will, is just the same thing again and again. Jesus actually doesn't want you to live the same day over and over again. He wants you to be able to learn. He wants you to be able to turn to him for help so you can grow and gain perspective that that we all need. In fact, the scripture says this quite graphically, and it says, "Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool." repeats his folly. The idea is that we all have things that we rather not do again, but if we don't learn from them, we end up just repeating it. Just like a dog who goes back to his mess, as humans, we can keep going back to our mess and we just stay on the Ferris wheel of bad decisions. So the goal of this series is let's learn from bad decisions so that we can make good ones. Today, I want to focus on... The idea of thinking in the short term, that is just this immediate window of desire and time that we have where we just feel like we have to make a decision right here and right now. Uh, It's easy to do that. When we were looking for that place, all I could see was just, we need this bigger place and let's do whatever we can uh, to get it. But here's an overarching principle that's true for us. Thinking in the short term actually makes us pay a high price in the long term. It may solve an immediate problem. It may meet an immediate desire. But if you think in the short term in our decisions, we end up paying a high price, a great cost in the long term. So I want to take some time to look at Esau's horrible decision in the Bible to give up his birthright. And as Joel shared, if you've never heard that story, you might have just gotten some snippets. You might be trying to piece some pieces together but he was the rightful heir to his father. He was the firstborn. He was a twin, and he had this kind of ongoing conflict with his brother Jacob that even started in the womb because as Esau was being born, Jacob grabbed his ankle to try to prevent that from happening. So you know, that's kind of another giveaway. There's gonna be some problems. It started at the beginning. And so this conflict ensued until Jacob had Esau in the right moment to take advantage of him. But Esau is not just the victim here. He was thinking very short term and so we want to look at that. First component of his horrible decision is this. He made the decision when he was exhausted. He was absolutely exhausted and spent from hunting with nothing to show for his work that he he wasn't in his right mind. Read this in Genesis 25. It says once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. You know the term hangry? Yeah, we use that, right? Like you're hungry, but if you let your hunger go on a little too much, you start to get a little frustrated. The frustration gets to a little anger, and you're hangry. And this was the point that Esau was in. He was not seeing clear. He had just these desires for food. He was full of these emotions, and he was willing to do whatever he could to lessen this turmoil that he found himself in. And for us today, we actually find ourselves in similar circumstances. There's things and emotions that are pulling on us that tend to just pull us like gravity to wrong decisions, things like we're tired. You ever try to make a decision when you're tired? Most of the time, your decision is just to bring you immediate relief. You ever made a decision when you're full of fear? Usually your decision is just to bring immediate peace. You ever made a decision when life is hard? Usually your decision is just to bring immediate ease. Whenever our inner self and all the emotions we have are pulling us in a direction, then our decision-making is skewed by those things going on. And the same was true for Esau. So he made this decision when he was exhausted. That, That was not wise. Uh, The second thing he did was he made a decision that was hasty. And you see this in verse 31. Jacob proposes this to him. Sell me your birthright. What does that next word say? Now. Have you ever faced a major major decision and someone tells you, you've got to tell me right now? Anyone ever been in a timeshare presentation? And you're here to tell about it? Or... You ever try to buy a car? This offer, as soon as you get up from that seat, it's expired. It's no longer there. You're never going to see that again. That deal of a lifetime will not be yours if you leave. You see, decisions made in haste oftentimes are not well-thought decisions. And Jacob knew that his brother was in this vulnerable position. He was crafty. And again, he was going to get what Esau had. So anytime there's a lot on the line, you have to think, am I taking the time to process this decision that happens to us with big purchases? It happens to us with things that we want. And you know what? Companies, marketing, they all know if you put the pressure on people to make a decision without giving them time to process, people tend to do what they regret. You ever done that before? I could spend this whole series just telling you of all my bad decisions. Would you like to hear another one? I bought a DVD special called Turbo Jam once. You guys remember that? Yeah, see, it didn't really make it, but they got a few customers. I just remember it was on the TV and it came on this like fitness where it was just like one of those things where if you just buy it and you hold the DVD before putting it in, you you already become in better shape. Like, isn't that what it feels like? Like, you don't even have to do it, you just look at it and you're like, whoa. little more toned. I literally bought it, and it was like one of those couple payments, and you don't add the payments up, and you think it's a great deal. I don't think I ever used it. It became a DVD package. It became a coaster on a coffee table that became something we gave away to one lucky customer. I've made tons of those decisions. Why? Because I'm not thinking it through. You ever bought food out of somebody's trunk? That's next week. (laughs) I've done that. But decisions that are hasty decisions usually are bad decisions. So that was the second thing. The third is he lost touch with reality. And I, I can relate to all of these. Here's what he said as he approaches Jacob 25, 32. Esau said, I am about to die of what use is a birthright to me. How many of you, when you're facing something you really want, or when you're just really feeling the pressure, you make extreme statements? Now, some of you are married to people that do that. Don't look at them right now. They feel you looking at them. But I, I can tend to do this. Just it can become extreme. And so all that he's feeling, all that he's processing, everything that's going through, he's just, I am about to die. Have you ever said, I'm starving? You ever thought, really? Are we? Are we? My mom would always have this phrase, and she's British, but it's people in Ethiopia are starving. Okay, mom, I understand, but I'm really, 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 really hungry. But we get these feelings, and they drive our decisions, and Esau gave up so much. And in 2530, which I already read, it says, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. And the scriptures go on, therefore, his name was called Edom. Edom right here in Hebrew actually means red. And the decision that he made in haste, the decision he made not in reality, and the decision he made when he was exhausted became part of his identity. Not only did he lose his birthright, but his name changed to remind him of this. the red. you made a decision based on this red stew. We're going to call you red. Have you ever made a decision that feels like kind of burned a new identity on you? and it's maybe filled with regret, it's filled with pain. Maybe even people tease you about it, and it's funny for them, but inside you're like, can you please stop bringing that up? That happened years and years ago. But it's normal. Decisions follow us. They impact us. They leave this imprint just like they did on Esau. But here's the good news. Like I said at the beginning, you actually don't have to be filled with regret by bad decisions. You may not forget them. And they may sting. But when you decide to follow Jesus, He actually brings new life into you. And when you decide to follow Him, that new life now becomes this new compass that directs you. And as you're directed through His Word and He guides you forward, you can make different decisions than you've made before. 2 Corinthians 5 says this Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old has gone, that the new has come. It's passed away. There's a sense of we can move past our bad decisions because when we decide to follow Jesus, we have a new lease on life. In fact, we have a new life and it's God himself living in us and we can gain new reflexes. We can gain new processes and we don't have to be plagued by our bad decisions caught on that Ferris wheel. There's hope for all of us. And even in all my bad decisions that i made, my hope is still the same today, that as I turn to God and let him guide me through his word, and I get help from others who are trying to walk with God, I actually can change, and you can too. But it starts with this kind understanding that we blow it, we make bad decisions, let's learn from them, just like Esau did. I heard a song a couple weeks ago called A Hundred Bad Days. I don't know if you've heard this, but I want you to listen to this, I'm a, Talk about it really briefly.
0: 100 bad days made hundred good stories. hundred good stories make me interesting at parties. Bad days made good stories. Good stories
1: make me interesting at parties yeah. That's all you're going to remember from today. You're going to be singing that at home. And the premise of the song is there's a there's hundred bad days, and he's talking through all the verses of all the bad decisions he's made. And it's, these are 100 bad days and all these terrible decisions. But it makes me interesting at parties. And I think for many of us, that's usually kind of the hope we have. Well, at least I'll have a story to tell. But those stories actually get old. And we're not at parties enough for that to be the existence of our life. And so there is this new thing that even if we have 100 bad days, it's not just about stories we can tell. It's actually let's, let's change Let's let's turn to God. Let's do things different. And so I want to give you some perspective of how you can overcome some short-term thinking. Before I do that, I should have mentioned this at the beginning, but there's a there's a handout that you can follow along. And on the front side are the components of Esau's terrible decision. And I've gone through them. It was the the haste, it was not living reality and making decisions when they're when you're exhausted. But out of those three, are there any that you tend you you do, like you make decision in the moment when maybe you shouldn't, when your emotions are high. Do you make decisions in haste without thinking it through? Or do you just make decisions sometimes when you're under extreme circumstances and it's not clear in reality. Maybe identify one of those because I'm gonna give you how to move past that, but it will help for you to look, this is the tendency I have. And since this is the tendency I have, here's how God can provide some help. In some steps forward. So here's how to overcome short-term thinking. Uh, the first is uh, to be circumspect. Now you, you may not have heard that word. Here, here's the definition: uh, careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. Uh, to be prudent. Uh, here's what the, the Bible says about being prudent. Proverbs fourteen eight: The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. So in decision-making, like life, there's kind of the wise way to do it and and the foolish way. And here you, you see this distinction pretty clearly. The wise give thought. They analyze. They take the time. And then the fools is deception. It's the idea like they're not really giving much thought, but they're coming up with a story to at least appear like they know what they're doing or to maybe appear that they have done their homework or maybe appear that they do have a plan. And that's easy for all of us to do, is to not take the time, but then to make it seem like we have. And we tend to do that because we don't wanna be circumspect. Why do we not wanna be circumspect? Because we want what we want right now. To give thought, that may prevent me from getting what I want. You guys experience that? I know I do. To give thought may limit me And what it is I think that I want, I want to introduce you to a process that I heard from a columnist and author. Her name is Susie Welch, and she's secular in a lot of her thinking, but she gave some good perspective on on this idea of how to think through decisions, and it's called the 10-10-10 process. I want to share this with you. Um, You need to make a decision thinking about 10 minutes, 10 months, and 10 years. Now, that sounds crazy. Should I have these Doritos? In 10 years, what will that do? I actually may not eat the Doritos because that kind of, oh, maybe I shouldn't. But we tend to think, I don't, 10 minutes, sometimes we think 10 seconds. But she says you have, you have to kind of flip that script. You have to force yourself to think the impact of uh, decisions. And so 10-minute decisions are immediate decisions that have high risk. These are things that you've done, and immediately after you think, I shouldn't have done that. You know, as you get older and you do something and your body doesn't work in the same way, that's like one of those 10-minute like, ah, that's a pulled hammy. Shouldn't have done that. Um, There's a story I read in the newspaper of this gal right here who took a picture. I don't know if you saw this in the news. This is called extreme yoga where you take pictures in like really scary situations. Well, moment after this, she fell, and she broke 110 Bones in her body. Now, at the moment she took it, she's not thinking of that cost. But literally that 10-minute decision impacted not just 10 months, but even beyond probably 10 years. It changed her life. How many of you think about this when you drive the freeways? Here's a picture. You see this all the time, right? I don't know how many times I've just been so just fired up to get where I need to get and frustrated with traffic, you know, I'm weaving and I'm not thinking. And then sometimes, you're, you know, you're reacting. Somebody cuts you off and you're like, two can play at that game if my odyssey can get to 40. You know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> right? But, but it's easy to do that. But those are 10-minute decisions where, you, you know, in just an instant, your, your life can change because you, you didn't think through the consequences. Things like road rage Uh, Here's other questions to ask uh, related to 10-minute decisions. Like, should I quit my job? Like, you can quit in an instant. Have you ever gotten into a situation where you just want to give it up? You're so frustrated. You're so mad. I quit. What's the impact of that? Should I buy that house with that payment? Should I sign my kid up for that sport? Should we move? Where should we move? All these we can make in a very short amount of time. they, They have these ripples that last for months in years. So what are the decisions that I'm making? And then part of this process is what what are the consequences of this uh, decision? So if, if I do this, what will happen? The idea here is circumspect is, is you don't just do what you want without thinking. You ask questions. And then once you get maybe something that you've learned, then you take that and you, you extend it. If this happens and this happens, you extend it into the future. What will happen then? And if that happens, what will happen then? And now some of you like, I do that every day. And you're stressed out because in your mind, what's going to happen? And you can be paralyzed with fear. I'm not talking about that. It's really this, this thing of we all know we, we have things that we want. And we all know for the most part, we need to think it through. But there's something in us where desire is pulling us where we don't want to do that. So to be circumspect is to be honest. Okay, this is a decision that has a lot of impact, and I need to think it through. That's to be circumspect. The next, this is what the opposite of what Esau did, is to face uh, reality, face the reality that I'm in. Proverbs 14, 8 says this. Again, the wise and the foolish, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. It's this, this mask. And... It's easy to make decisions without looking at the big picture. And God gives us actually the big picture, and he gives us reality, and he gives us insight as we dig into the Scripture. And so one of the key ways for you to face reality is to learn reality. And the way you learn reality is you connect to God, the creator of reality. And as you connect to God, the creator of reality, and you begin to read the Scriptures, you begin to get a picture of this is how life should look. So when you make a decision related to your finances, one of the circumspect questions and one of the face-reality questions is, what's the biblical view of finances? What's the biblical view of materialism? What's the biblical view of relationships? What's the biblical view of my future? All these things, it's actually specific in the Scriptures you can dig into for yourself. One of the things that we do in Connect Group is we, we dig into the Bible together. And we talk about this so we can have this idea of what's the reality that we we live in here and how can we move forward? So that's facing reality. And the third is to not be hasty. And Proverbs 19, two says this. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. Uh, That word zeal is actually a very interesting word to define it. It almost is undefinable because it almost has, it's like a person with desires is, is, is a person with zeal. It, it basically saying is you are a living creature, and as a living creature, there's just things that you have because you have breath in your life. And it's this idea of you just you just go because you want it, and you're moving, and this zeal, this just life that we have can just lead us down these wrong paths. And hastiness tends to get us in trouble, like our apartment that we went for without me really seeking the facts. For me, oftentimes, hastiness is I I want comfort, I want convenience, and I don't want to have to pay a price for it. That's usually how it is for me. A lot of things are filtered through my own comfort and my own convenience. But to be circumspect and to face reality and to actually not be hasty means there's more to life than comfort, and there's more to life than convenience there's actually something bigger that God has called me to. And that's to build his kingdom. And that's to love people. That's to extend myself for others. When I began my relationship with Jesus at a young age, it it shaped my future. It now shaped my decision-making. And the same can be true for you. So I go back to that, that beginning idea. Thinking in the short term makes us pay a high price in the long term. And so I want to encourage you, if you tend to be hasty, think through, okay, how how can I, in this decision I'm thinking about, go to that, that 10, 10, 10, like, what's that immediate impact? What's the near term? And then what's the future from this decision? And and maybe write it down so it's clear. It's on paper. You can actually see it. That may be something that you want to do. Um, if you have a hard time facing reality and you just tend to just be led by your emotions and what you're, you're feeling, maybe it's, you know, I really need to get in the Bible for myself. And you might want to just start by reading the book of John in the New Testament and learning about Jesus' life and his values. That's a good place to start. Those filter your desires, and they challenge the comforts and the conveniences that sometimes lead us. So no matter where you are, like I said, your past does not have to define you. It doesn't have to be your primary identity. That's good news. It's good news for me, and I'm sure it's good news for you. But as we turn to God and we ask him for help, he will help us. As we need resources beyond ourselves, he gives those to us. And so everything that we need, we can find in the person of Jesus. But what it means is we have to get off the Ferris wheel. We have to be willing to say, this ride is not what I want my life to be. I don't want to keep reliving the same thing over and over and over. And if you decide to turn to him, he will help you. And so I want to give you a few next steps that you can take. So if you pull out that connection card that Pablo had you fill out, go ahead and finish uh, filling that out. And like said you could put your name on there, and email. If you have prayer requests, there's lines on the back. Please put how we can pray for you. And uh, I get those, and I, I pray for those requests uh, every week. But here's some next steps that you can take. This is our way of saying, you know what, I, I need to take an action step. Because blessing in the Bible, again, related decisions, blessing in the Bible is not just what I know, but what I do, what I live out. So here's some ways that you can live out. The first one is uh, run a current decision through the 1010 10, process. So are there decisions that you're facing right now, which, you know, they have some impact. There's some weight to it. I don't know what those are for you. I, I do know what they are for me. So you need to think, what are some current decisions that I'm facing that I need to take some time to be circumspect, to give thought to my ways, to take this big picture, to take maybe a 30,000 feet and, and walk through that process? So you might want to write that down. Uh, the second is get the facts on what it means to follow Jesus personally. I shared with you 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this new life that you can have, the new beginning, the fact that Jesus wants to redeem and buy back your regret. Like, you don't have to hold on to that anymore. If you've never decided to follow Jesus as the boss of your life, as your leader, you can actually take steps to do that today. There's a place on your connection card. It says, contact me about following Jesus. That's what it means to become a Christian. You decide, I want to to follow him. I want him to be my leader. He's going to call the shots, including my decisions. I want him to be a part of my decision-making process. And maybe you've never done that before, and you have some questions about what that means, or you just like some clarification. Uh, If you check that, uh, we'll follow up with you, and we'll set up someone that can just talk to you about what it means to follow him and answer questions that you may have. And then the third next step Uh, This is just to come back, attend uh, next Sunday. Uh, We're gonna keep looking at some other stories in the Bible. And next week, we're gonna talk about the bad decision of refusing wise counsel. That is, there's people that God has placed in your life that could help you if you ask them. So what do we need to do to get past that barrier when we don't wanna ask? Uh, The week after that, we're gonna talk about um, giving into pressure, where, again, our desires just drive us. How do we get past that? And then we're going to close out the series in three weeks talking about moving past putting ourselves in vulnerable positions, kind of like what Esau did with Jacob. He was in a vulnerable position, and he got taken advantage of, and it cost him a great deal. And so I, I encourage you to, to come back. I think it's going to be a great series. Again, there's hope for all of us. And it begins as we take one step towards a relationship with God through, through Jesus Christ. Uh, once again, my name is Alex. If I've not met you today, um, I'm going to be by the information table after the service, and I would love uh, to meet with you. We've got plenty more uh, donuts and iced coffee. And so please feel free to hang out after the service and uh, meet some people that, that you may not know. Let me pray as I invite the band to come up, and we're going to receive our, our offering. And you can just drop your completed connection card Uh, in there as that basket comes by. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us hope despite regret, despite things that we've done that we actually don't even want people to know about. God, I look back on lots of things in my life with regret and shame, but at the same time, I hold tightly to the fact that in you, I have new life. And in you, I have a new beginning. And that's the greatest hope. And I pray for anyone here that is just stuck on the Ferris wheel of bad decisions. And they are looking for a way out. I pray right now and right here that they'll turn to you. So they'll decide, I need help outside myself. And God, for any of us that are just facing some really important decisions in the near future, God, will you use this uh, series and the principles found in your word to really guide us so that we can make wise decisions and not foolish ones? We ask for your help. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.